0: Bandwidth for ChangeLog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. We move fast and fix things here at ChangeLog because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode cloud servers. Head to Linode.com slash ChangeLog.
1: This podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. If you have specific questions or concerns, we encourage you to consult a health professional in your local area.
0: From Changelog Media, this is Brain Science, a podcast for the curious. We're exploring the inner workings of the human brain to understand behavior change, habit formation, mental health, and what it means to be human. It's brain science applied, not just how does the brain work, but how do we apply what we know about the brain to transform our lives? I'm Adam Stachowiak.
1: And I'm Dr. Marielle Reese.
0: We all have thoughts, but how often do we really examine you know, the thoughts we're having, what we're thinking, you know, everyone thinks every single day and what we think affects how we feel, how we act, how we behave. But how often are our thoughts distorted, not correct, and just not thinking about what we're thinking about?
1: Yeah. Have you ever considered about the thinker behind the thoughts? Like the Oz,
0: the great Oz.
1: Right. Behind Yeah, the curtain. Mm, very much so. And it's, it's interesting because if I'm not aware of, one, the thoughts that I actually have, how then would I even begin to evaluate whether or not they're accurate or distorted in yeah. any form or fashion? I mean, I would just sort of go about my day as if there's nothing wrong with it. It was interesting – I was reading some research study um, and it was talking about exposure as it relates to learning. Like it, we would think that simply exposing yourself to something would result in knowing. And so they did this study to look at fire extinguishers in people's office or workspaces. And so one was this university professor and they said, go find where the nearest fire extinguisher is closest to you. And he goes and looks and was totally stunned to discover that it was immediately outside of his door. And this guy had been a professor for like 30 plus years, and he had no idea that that was in fact where the fire extinguisher was, because obviously there hadn't been a fire, so he didn't need it, so he wouldn't know to go look for it, right?
0: Yeah, and, you know, there's so much in our life that, uh, especially, you know, in the environment, the the visual environment that we walk around every day, even... Your office. I put. I probably couldn't spin around in my office here and like tell you everything that's in the office, exactly where it's at. So you sort of just like let things blur into the background, and that's part of your awareness and where you're focusing on your thoughts and stuff like that.
1: Exactly. So attention plays a key role yeah. in being able to notice or having this awareness. And so I want to take some time to even look inside at our thoughts to go: Are you paying attention to the thoughts that you think? because what if how you go about in your day if you were to imagine that how you think is very much like the soil in which you plant things yeah. would you would you then care about how fertile and the nutrients and what's in the soil i would be apt to say of course because i don't want to plant things that aren't going to grow
0: that's right yeah i think you know the reason why that research that you read is is possible is because we have a limited attention span. You know, the human brain has a really hard time on doing two or even three high intensive things. So try driving and talking on the phone pretty hard. Try driving and taking notes. Not going to happen, you know, something like that. So I think, you know, as you're walking into your office or doing your day or just living your life, you're not sort of seeing the details, which really is our thoughts,
1: Yeah. And so if I were to ask you, Adam, do you know if there's a problem with how you think? Do you know what you would answer?
0: I would want to say, no, I'm perfect. I'm amazing. (laughs) But I think if I examine them a little bit closer, you know, I would need a frame of reference, you know? Yeah. I would need to know, like, what is a bad thought? What are, you know, or maladaptive thoughts, as you like to say, not bad or good, but, you know, what are thoughts that are good for me and thoughts that are, you know, sort of generally bad for me?
1: Awesome. Well, so ironically, there's a psychologist years ago who came up with some of these distorted thinking or sort of template for how we look at distorted thoughts. And his name was Aaron Beck, and he came up with 10 cognitive distortions. And I don't want to go through all of these today, but I want to give sort of some of the ones that seem most commonplace and that run the most interference with us doing ourselves well because again, at the heart of this, I just want people to optimize for themselves. Like, how do I, how does Adam be the best Adam? Yeah. How does Marielle be the best Marielle? And so that starts with being considerate around the soil of my mind. So, one of the distortions, so to speak, is catastrophic thinking. And so, if The word itself sort of gives you an indicator of what that entails, but it really is just imagining the worst case scenario. So it's like chicken little, if you know the story, the sky is falling, the sky is falling all the time. I am worried about the sort of what if catastrophe that could occur. And so imagine that there might be some bit of truth in what I'm playing out, but it doesn't mean that the context actually fits.
0: Right. The, the focus there is on the worst case scenario, right? So that's sort of leaning on the negative sides of a, an experience or environment rather than the positive sides. Too often people only see or magnify the negative sides of something and not at all pay attention to or even acknowledge the good sides.
1: Yeah, I mean, so I can talk about this in the sense of all of the data that I take in day to day that I've done over the years and years in which I've practiced therapy. I mean, I hear of all the idiosyncratic situations which occur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so some of the things that my brain will pop up are based on what I've actually heard over the years. And so I will imagine sort of the worst case scenario because guess what, mm. I've I've heard it. <laughs> like, I know that that's a possibility. Right. And so um we'll get to this later in the show but we'll talk about ways to navigate this but it it really involves then talking back to myself not just allowing that data piece to run if it doesn't work, right? And so yeah. context is key of going okay, like, would that actually apply? I mean, I could sit here and say, well, I live in the Pacific Northwest and I am afraid that Rainier is going to blow any day. And there's it's some- a possibility, sure. It is, sure. But if I then focus on that possibility, wouldn't it change how I go about my day?
0: I would say so. It should.
1: It should, right? And so I would probably think- I'm gonna avoid that, and I'm gonna move somewhere else. But then I'm just picking between earthquakes, hurricanes, tornadoes.
0: Yeah, <laughs> we have hurricanes here in Houston. Often. Yeah,
1: yeah, and so floods
0: even too because of it. Jeez, it's terrible.
1: Right, and so you know, some researchers have looked at this too when it comes to like losing a loved one, because obviously we've talked about loss in relationships, and that that would feel wretched. I mean devastating nobody creates a relationship invest in it for the purpose of having that good connection go away
0: be destroyed yeah
1: yeah and so when people have lost loved ones what they found is that it actually helps them fare better when they practice gratitude instead of this catastrophe like as a parent i can run all of the plausible plays that my brain can sort of conjure up but that doesn't help me parent any better because then I'm going to lead with this fear. Mm. And that's really the feeling tethered to this cognitive distortion is fear. Yeah. Right. I'm afraid I'm going to lose someone or something I care about or that I'm going to be injured in some way. So I'm going to imagine it so that I can then create a plan for how I'll navigate that. And then I'm not really living live because I'm worried about what could occur and might occur and getting prepped. Versus which is, what is. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so it really takes me out of real time, which is sad because then I lose out on all sorts of things. Yeah. that I could enjoy.
0: Something you said there and I'm wondering what your thoughts are on this is this idea of talking to yourself, you know, sort of having a relationship with yourself. This, you know, examining and taking stock of your thoughts and the way you think to me seems you know, almost like you know, is somebody crazy for, like, a better terms, for talking to themselves? Like, maybe out loud, that might seem, yeah. But is it normal to talk to yourself? Is this is that sort of like borderlining on what we're talking about here? Like, talking to yourself, having. Having a relationship with yourself?
1: No, we all have different aspects to ourselves. And so can that be distorted and, you know, maladaptive? Sure. It would look like at the most extreme form, like a dissociative identity disorder. Mm -hmm. Like there's John and Billy Joe and Susie. Like I have all these multiple personalities and it's really just sort of this fragmentation of oneself. Yeah. But for most neurotic individuals, most normal people, we talk to ourselves and we we refer to that as like internal dialogue. And so, imagine that I have these differing aspects and so I'll go with this sort of health analogy of like I have one side of me that wants to be ridiculously healthy and make wise choices and then this other side of me that says like eat all the cake, eat the cake. Right. Okay. <laughs> eat the chocolate. And so I then have this other side of me that is like the mediator between these that goes, hey, you know, we can't be mean to either one of you. Right. (laughs) Like, how do we practice sharing? So when we have these sort of catastrophic thoughts that we practice talking back to our brain and saying like, hey, compassion, compassionate response. Like, I understand that you're feeling really fearful or worried right now, but here's some things you could do to help that. Like, maybe... There isn't a possibility that Rainier is probably going to blow today. Right. Or, you know what? I'm. Why don't we be grateful for what we do have and that it hasn't done that yet? And look at what you've got to enjoy while you've been living here.
0: Right. So you're saying the word we, too. So as if it as if it's a, a unison inside. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think of it like a symphony mm-hmm. in that there's different sections. So there's woodwind and percussion. And we want all of the sounds to come together because right. that's what makes it beautiful is this sort of you know, harmonious sound. And so if I try to amputate an aspect of myself and be like, you don't get to play. Like, no, you fearful little kid side of you, you have to shut up and shut down. Well, that didn't help me do it any better. Now I'm just in trouble and now I feel bad for feeling the way that I do, or now I'm in trouble for thinking what I do in fact think. Yeah. That's not gonna help me do myself any better.
0: So because you're having these negative thoughts about Mount Rainier exploding and killing all of Seattle or whatever (laughs) might happen, you know, you're feeling negative. So your thoughts are sort of affecting how you feel. And that's sort of this kind of, you know, this circle of life with your thoughts is that you just kind of keep going round and round of negative thought, negative feeling, negative thought, negative feeling.
1: Right. So then it definitely becomes like, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, that it's perpetuating. And so mm-hmm. that is why we have to start with the awareness because if I'm not aware, like, hey, Marielle, you realize you're imagining a catastrophe right now. Oh, yeah. So then I'm like, do you want to keep focusing on that? Or what else might you choose to focus on?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I could actually look, and we've talked about this in terms of coping, to to identify the senses. Like, let's just go live. Right. And that looks like what yeah, sensory data, and am I I taking in in the here and now? And then how might I practice gratitude? How could I be grateful for what I do have, not the what-ifs that could happen?
0: Would it be safe to say then, because your fear is in what could happen, that's sort of future-focusing rather than real-time right now focusing, that you're you're sort of thinking in the wrong time space, that you're, like you said, you're not allowing yourself to, Consider what's happening right here, right now and be and have gratitude towards it and be grateful that you're Mm -hmm. sort of like this could happen. So my fear and my feelings are grounded in, you know, this fictitious future that may or may not happen.
1: Correct. Yeah. So, you know, I think I've alluded to this or stated this in the past about, you know, wellness Um, being very much rooted in cognitive flexibility and that when it goes awry is when we have too much rigidity or too much chaos Mm -hmm. so some of this anxiety would be like I'm living in the future and there's it's so chaotic that I can't differentiate up from down from left from right because I told you this guy is falling Adam this guy is
0: falling do something about it yeah yeah Yeah. you were not listening
1: (laughs) yeah yeah So on the opposite end, if I'm looking at it, another distortion would be this all or nothing binary thinking, which is more of that rigidity that goes, I'm going to live in the past. Like you, I'm sure you have never said this to your wife, that you're amazing. But like to say, you never, you never do the laundry right. You don't ever, you always say it like that.
0: Right. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> this isn't a show about uh, Adam and his life, so I won't say anything. But I, I will definitely agree that that absolutes often come in, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's with relationships, whether it's with yourself, which is, a, as we just said, a variation of a relationship, or with coworkers or just, you know, your work. There's always some sort of absolute. I never do it right or they always yes. do it this way. I can you know? never get it right. no matter
1: what. I can't ever. Yeah and it's just not true because yeah. it maybe you're not living up to your own self expectations or the expectations of somebody you care about but always and never like that it just can't apply
0: yeah what are good words to use instead so if you're having this particular distortion how can you reframe my always or nevers
1: so it it really is in going what is true about what i'm saying okay so some of the time or like it's specific. I'll think about it in the context of interpersonal relationships and articulating a scenario in which they did do what you're trying to tell them about. Like I want to tell my partner about a time in which they wounded me. Like, so I would say when you don't take out the trash, I it it upsets me. I feel hurt. I feel unimportant.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It doesn't the mean that trash that's is true. real
0: important around here. <laughs> That's funny. I like that example. It's funny.
1: (laughs) So what I heard you
0: say that was you put a time frame to it rather than like this always meaning it every single time it happens. It's more like when this or you you sort of put a time stamp on it rather than like it's an absolute time stamp.
1: Correct. I'm doing a specificity. I'm going to to identify a specific occasion in which this occurred because Much of the all or nothing is rooted in conditioning of past experiences. Yeah. So it can, like, I might say, you know, you never follow through. You never show up when you say you're going to. And it's like, oh, okay, well, let's look back and go, when didn't I? Yeah. And so, and then be open to hearing from that person, like, what, what, how that made them feel or like what they could do differently.
0: Yeah. You're touching too on criticism. Mm-hmm. Which I want to dive into at a deeper level on a different show. But whenever you criticize, you have to you have to give different kind of data than just simply you're always or never because it it's not correct feedback for someone to change,
1: yeah. it it and it, it doesn't help at all because yeah. I don't know what to do differently. It's just you make it more of a global yeah. thing instead of individualized and specific, so that then too, it also breeds hope. If I feel like, I mean, like I never can get it right. I'm never going to, you know. You won't try again. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And of course, of course, if you feel like there's no opportunity to do different. This is why it is such, it's so eroding in interpersonal relationships. But so imagine if you're telling yourself that, like you can Mm, never get this one program. Like you should just never try. Right. Right. Eek. I one of my favorite stories I heard was actually, um, and maybe Under Armour will have to clarify this for me. But imagine that so much of life is like learning like hummingbirds. Hummingbirds move things from one place to another.
0: Okay.
1: And so it's like, say you have a strength in one lane and you can do it over here, but then I move it over to a different one and I, I just went from expert to novice. Yeah. Well, so Under Armour, from what I heard, they got their idea for the fabric of their gear from women's lingerie. And so it was primarily then designed for football players because they didn't like getting tangled up in t-shirts because they were too baggy. Mm -hmm. And so here's a fabric that feels good. So people want to wear it and it's more confined to the body. So it doesn't, it's not an additional obstacle when you're trying to do all these other things on the field, right? Yeah. So... Outcomes, Under Armour and this awesome product. Well, then they realized that all of their smalls kept disappearing. And they were like, what is going on? So then they moved it over into women. And they're like, shrink it and pink it. Like, just (laughs) change it up. And they moved it into another lane and then had to build on that. And so imagine that this all-or-nothing thinking is rooted to some degree, too, in fear and failure. And that just because you struggle... You're going to run interference with it and go, we're just starting at novice and struggle is a normal part because it's new and it's different. So what can I do to help bolster myself so that I can have some successes? So now I've tethered in positive emotions. So guess what I'm going to want to do? I want to go practice more and get better at cultivating that skill.
0: Yeah. Awareness plays a big part of this because awareness and expectation Right? If you are yeah. aware of, like you had said, if I'm going to go into this as a novice, I should expect certain things and be aware of how that's different from when I'm an expert in, a, in an example. So yeah. if you're walking into a scenario where you're more of a novice or you're still learning or you're still growing, you should expect some struggle. And to go into it not thinking that is just setting yourself up for failure.
1: Yeah, Exactly. And and it's really totally unrealistic. That's why we call this a distortion. Okay. Bear in mind, as we're talking about these, there's always a nugget of truth right. to these distortions. Just imagine that I'm standing in sort of like this concave or convex mirror. It's still me. It's but just not the
0: same <laughs> typical Marielle when you stand into a typical mirror. <laughs>
1: No, a and, I, and then I would have a very different self concept right. because of that mirror. Isn't that crazy to think about?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, it's well, I think what is interesting to, and I think you did this already, but to, you know, specifically say it like, there is truth in these distortions. And so you're not. You know, if you're listening to this and you're examining some of the thoughts you're having and saying, wow, I'm thinking catastrophically or I'm, you know, I'm an all or nothing binary thinker. It has to be this way or that way and it's always or never or whatever. That, that doesn't mean that you're crazy and that it's not true. There is truth in there, but you have to understand what the distortions are of that truth and how those are affecting how you feel.
1: Exactly. And so with that, I want to talk about the next one, which listen really close as I say this. Okay. We shouldn't should on ourselves. Okay. <laughs> right? That's
0: funny to say. I like that.
1: I know. But it's that same thing. I have an external construct and I say, this is what I expect of me. So I should on myself. Right. And just because I maybe I'm good at this over here, then I expect or anticipate that I'm going to be good at it over here when, in fact, like, oh, no, I'm struggling. And so then I start putting in, like, what's wrong with you? You should be able to do this. Like, and now I just start the berating. Isn't that a
0: source of encouragement, though? So at what point does that blur into this distortion? Because, like, I want to I say to myself, Adam, you should do these things. And I and I. I can examine my thoughts and know they're not distorted in this case, like a distortion. And it's it's like I'm my inner voice, this we we just talked about before, is encouraging, you know, the positive atom is encouraging the negative atom. Adam, we should do this. We should do this. When does it blur?
1: Well, it, it already did.
0: okay. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> let's let's dive in
1: because the the issue with a should is that it is an external construct being applied to fit internally and that doesn't really matter like so I would rephrase it or reframe it and say instead of considering it as though it's an encouragement I would go do you want to not I should well no like is there a desire to do it and if you can harbor hold on to the desire then go do it but it's very different if I'm to say here's the mold Adam you should do this why because Joe and Bob are doing it, right? or because Adam wants to do it and there's a desire that you're responding to.
0: Right. And we've already talked before about the importance of uh, playing a role in your choices. So if, yeah. if the choice should seems to be based on what you're saying, that uh, the choice is outside of me and I just have to fall in line to the mold rather right. than being an active participant in choosing. Amen. Okay. Yes.
1: yes. Because it's a qualitative feel. And that's why the should can be to some people oppressive because I would say, too, that to some degree, personality style, past experiences play a role in this. I mean, you know, I know from my experience in um, sports and athletics, I mean, my coaches weren't always the most kind of individuals, not that they didn't have my best interest at heart, but I can hear very much a sort of internal narrative that's demeaning, yeah. that's unrelenting, that it's like, I don't really care that you're not sleeping or you're sleeping three hours a night. Like, you should be able to get this done like everybody else does. Look at what they're doing. And you see how even in my tone I changed?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You are like, you should. I just... Yeah, it just <sighs> it's not nice
1: (laughs) no you shouldn't
0: shouldn't speak to somebody like that see i just (laughs) use a should are they all bad then come on
1: no you can't say that
0: all shoulds are bad is that is that what you're saying Uh,
1: no i'm i'm uh, you're going back to the bad it's not just trying to
0: because like i i feel like there is a blurred line there when shoulds are you know but why are you, you say
1: but why should should that be true like it's instead, what measure are you using? Again, if we look at some of what we've talked about, let's be more specific. Like, why is it important to you? So if I were to say, I should write because, right. you know, I, I want to write. But should, if I'm saying I should, it's going to create some resistance because every time I don't write, guess what I'm going to do?
0: You're going to feel negative.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. You're, you're, you're not living up to your expectation or some expectation of you, the mold you should fit in.
1: Right. I still hold that desire, but now I'm like, look, I failed. So why should I try again?
0: I don't know. I, I, am having a hard time grasping this one, if I'm being honest, because I feel like there's times when I can see it being good and being bad or distorted. I just (laughs) really have, I'm struggling on this one in particular.
1: Well, maybe I think that you know, part of it might be the nuance in how you've used it with yourself. True. Yeah. And that maybe it hasn't felt negative. I mean, am I right? You have a military background? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure drill sergeants weren't the the most compassionate of people.
0: I loved them all. They were all amazing. I'm just kidding. They were <laughs> some of them I can actually recall their face right now saying, uh, beat your face, soldier, which means <laughs> do push ups. Yeah. You know? It just yeah, I, I suppose. Sure, what are, you, what are you getting at?
1: Well, part of the nature in this internal dialogue has to do with the voices that we internalize. Okay. And so the more we're exposed to this, and be it, um, to, we all have varying degrees of conscientiousness. Yeah. Like, they, they've done research around this in terms of employees like personality factors that make the best employees and we can talk about this in upcoming shows but the most important one is conscientiousness that is the biggest indicator of a great employee and do you know why
0: what is it and what is that conscientiousness
1: well it's being aware of all the things if i'm conscientious i don't need somebody to tell me what to do because i've already told myself to do it
0: gotcha okay so
1: if i have a high degree of conscientiousness like I'm already knowing I need to do these 24 things on my to-do list, and then my boss comes to me and be like, "Yeah, you're you autonomous. You should do this." Now I've loaded more on, and he's not wrong. I I should do them because they're my responsibility. But I've I've already, if I've should on myself because I have that narrative in my brain. I've already had a full jury trial, convicted. Like mm. I am sentenced. I see. by the shoulds. So part of it has to do with our individual hardwiring. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like some people are more like I mean indifferent, careless, like they're just not as concerned with all of the factors. And so then that would contribute to hearing should in a different way. Yeah. Because I already if I'm already at 95% and then my boss or a friend or my spouse is like, "Hey, let me remind you of this 25%, like you're really not doing so hot on." Yeah. It I'm like, like crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 So maybe there part of what you're, you're trying to talk about is like, it's nuanced and it isn't always not assistive. But I would now, say you know that what? I
0: think when you said that though, I actually can admit to some clarity because hearing you say it back again, it's, it's the, what you're talking about is shooting on yourself. So your internal voice telling yourself you should. Yes. And I can understand that better. that, Hearing it again, the way you said it, clarified it for me. So I, I'm less blurred now. I will, I will, I will forfeit that.
1: <laughs> well, so let's talk about another one. What about mental filter? <laughs> Do you want me to explain?
0: Yes, please.
1: <laughs> so mental filters are picking out a single negative detail and focusing on it exclusively so that all of your vision of what's going on becomes dark or negative.
0: Right. Yeah, I can I can dwell there. So I really identify with this one in particular because I can I can pick out a negative detail in my life and focus on it exclusively. <laughs> and my life, this is the exact definition. Uh, my life becomes you know not completely dark, but I can see how the cloud comes in and it covers more things than I want it to. It doesn't just cover the thing that I think is negative; it begins to cover the positive things too, you know yeah. and then and then i then I start losing sleep or I you know dwell in my negative thoughts more or something like that, and this is one that actually gets to me probably more often than I'd like,
1: yeah, well, I don't I know think about it's- you. But that's me. Well, I tend to be and I I would say that from my experience, just always wanting to do the best, be my best sports, grad school, like I I'm always looking for how I can do things better. So it's easy to focus to some degree on the negative yeah, because there's some truth to that. I can do it better or different or just some variation So if I then focus on a detail, imagine that I just blow up that balloon bigger and bigger. And what happens to my vision as that balloon gets bigger? My vision of the whole picture gets smaller.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so it makes it – and this is maybe at the heart of some of what we're talking about in how we think is that we don't want to only be focused on the negative, And that even if there is negative, because there is, I mean, there's horrific, horrible things that people encounter every day. And I'm not saying these things to undermine those because those are real. And so denying or disavowing or undoing those doesn't help us. But rather, we want to be more considerate that the positive gets to count too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think living in denial or this naive aspect is this bliss aspect It is not good. You have to be, you can't lie to yourself about the positive or the negative. You can't discount the negative for the positive and vice versa. It's kind of like the idea of bitter and sweet, right? You can't have the sweet without the bitter and you can't have the bitter without the sweet.
1: Yes. It's like kind of yin
0: yang. It's this sort of coupling that happens throughout many, many examples in, in humanity and life.
1: Yeah, and so much of why I want to talk about these and why this is helpful is just recognizing if your channel of your thoughts is always on the negative, you're probably not going to feel very good going about your day. Yeah. It doesn't mean that there aren't things you can be positive about or around, but it's just going to make it far more challenging. You know, again, I want to talk about this more, but the idea of what do we do to combat it is. We sort of imagine how you put on glasses every day that you could put on, like put in front of you what you want to try to look for throughout the day. Like, have you ever bought a new car and you never saw so many on the road? But then you're like, oh, my goodness, they're like all over.
0: Yes. (laughs) For some reason, that's a reality. I don't get it, but it is.
1: Well, I'm pretty sure they didn't just go dump a bazillion of that car on the road. But what changed?
0: The fact that I knew it existed.
1: Exactly. So then you were focused on it and you looked for them. Okay. So when we're looking at going this mental filter, what do I do? Well, I want you to put on a different lens.
0: Right. Realize they're there and understand them. And and Mm -hmm. when they pop up, Mm -hmm. identify them. Maybe even take a note even. Like, hey, that's that's a that's a negative mental filter. We should yeah. we should be aware of that more often. But so here I am in, again. I said we should. Oh, see, there is a blurred line. There is a blurred line.
1: <laughs> it, maybe here's the reframe. You say it would be helpful.
0: It would be helpful. I don't speak that way though. <laughs> but I like the idea. Continue.
1: Well, so you know, I do this with my kids because I'm trying to help train up their brains to see things differently when. You know, it can be challenging when you're a kid to only see the negative. And so I would, I started off when they, at the beginning of school, always asking them at the, when I picked them up, like, what was the highlight and what was your disappointment or what was, you know, the thing that upset you and the positive thing. And then they came home with their teacher had done this exercise and talked about it in terms of roses and thorns. Hmm. And so they said, what are your roses for today and what are your thorns? Right and so then i tweaked it ever so slightly more and i said for every thorn every upsetting or negative or hurtful thing that you encountered today you have to give me two roses and i'm probably going to keep increasing that okay Be- because so much of i mean imagine how the weather affects you i want you to imagine that the weather of your thoughts that that contributes to the environment and how you feel Going about your day every day. I want people to recognize that we have to sort of set our minds to look for that. It's not just not doing these things because, to some degree, we're we're gonna do them. Yeah. It it. I don't want anybody to be alarmed or shocked and go. Oh, I, do I got that. distortions. What's going <laughs> yeah. on? Yeah, yeah, like everybody come, has
0: this. It's a yeah. it's a thing.
1: Yeah, come join the rest of us. Right.
0: <laughs> join the club. You already have. <laughs>
1: Got the T-shirt. Um, but what am I going to do so that I can change and move in the direction? Like, I want to be intentional about the way that I live, that I am looking for the things that help me feel better and do better. Because guess what I'm then going to build a snowball around? How I feel is better. And look at the effort I made. And there was a positive outcome to that effort. And like, oh, this sucked. And it was so hard for me. And I didn't want to do it. But I did it. Yeah. And so now I'm practicing tethering ironically my positive emotions to my efforts and not to outcomes. Yeah. This is so important. We talk about it in learning because we're we're not always in charge of outcomes and this is part of managing our humanity. I can imagine, you know, losing someone i love and just how horrific that would feel to me. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any amount of time i could spend with those i love that i would be like i'm that's good i've i've had enough. I've had enough, so yeah. It's going to be painful at whatever time. But if i can learn to practice putting on gratitude and and i have had to practice this with my kids especially because i love them. I'm so grateful for them. They were wanted. And so go, every time a thought pops up of imagining something happening to them or whatever it could be that I have to go, thank you. Thank you. That I, and as long and as much as it takes in order to change that channel, because this is how I'm building a new neural network. Because remember when we talked earlier about neurons that fire together, wire together. Yeah. So the more that I think a thought, the more that I'm running that play, my brain automates to that. So I want to practice automating around the positive that I can just see it. Yeah. There's a psychologist who wrote this book some years ago called The Happiness Advantage. His name is Sean Aker. Aker without the N. Aker without the N. And um, he studied at Harvard. And he had this experience, which prompted a research study around thoughts. And so he'd been playing Grand Theft Auto all night long. And he went out the next morning to go to class and he saw the Cambridge police and he's like, oh my gosh, I would get the max amount of points if I stole that police car right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh boy.
1: And he was mortified. He's like, what? What in me? Like, I'm a th- I'm training to be a psychologist and I'm having these thoughts. Like, what the heck? And so he, not to mention that the policeman was in the vehicle, like, and that didn't deter him. So he did this study and had... Um, students played Tetris for, I forget the length of time, whether it was 48 or 72 hours, but consistently, and then report on their experiences. And what they said is everywhere they went after that, they saw Tetris shapes. They'd go to the grocery store and they're like, if I just flip this cereal box, I'll lose a line. I'll mm-hmm. go to the racetrack. If I flip this brick, I'll lose a line. So much of what we focus on is what we feed and then what we see. This is at the heart of why it's so important to be aware of the thoughts behind the thinker.
0: Because of the importance, right? Yeah. The, the more you think of something, the more it's going to appear in your life, whether whether it was always there or it's suddenly there because, you know, you're now having this thought pattern.
1: Mm-hmm. And so one other thing that I want to talk about in terms of what we can do differently is using the best friend test. Yeah. Is going, if... I have this thought. Would I say this to my friend? For example, with the should. Well, you should be doing that. You should get A's. You shouldn't have any trouble doing that coding. Would I say the same thing to my friend?
0: Yeah, probably not. Exactly. So when you say probably not is like is when it's problematic. Yeah,
1: right. Because you're going there's something context doesn't fit. Right. And context is so much at the heart. Like we've talked about specificity in saying, look, much of these distortions, all or nothing catastrophe. It's like they're not rooted in context. They're generalizations or they're, you know, global as opposed to specific.
0: Yeah. They're not based and, on facts.
1: Right. And we're all different. And so I want to to recognize that I am different than everybody else and nobody's had my experiences, nobody has my exact genetics, all of those things. I always find it fascinating with siblings because people were raised in the same house by the same parents, but are they the same people or remember the same things? No. Never.
0: Never. Never,
1: (laughs) right, because different things stand out to us in different ways at different times. But so much of our own industry, experiences that are individual are going to affect not only what we think but then how we see our world. So for our listeners, I would say what what do we take away? What's your next step of, of action? So we talked about four of these sort of cognitive distortions today catastrophic thinking, shoulds, the all or nothing and mental filters. So I would identify, be put you might even create a little chart, and notice, just for like track for a day or two, when you do these things. Or maybe you're just going to say, I'm going to pick one. I want to mm-hmm. pick shoulds because I'm very aware that I should on myself a lot. And just <laughs> track it. And then what I want you to do is write the alternative you're going to replace it with. So not just, okay, now I'm aware. I always talk about this with patients in terms of getting better, improving you and your life is twofold. There's acknowledging and then there's action. So we're going to acknowledge the thing we're not doing well, where I'm struggling. And then I'm going to identify the action that replaces the thing I don't want to do. Because whenever we're trying to change how we think, we change our neural networks by starvation. So I starve that old thought and I replace it with a new one. It's so much repeal and replace repeal and replace. I'm gonna take away this not helpful way of thinking and I'm gonna replace it with a new one. And so I would love to hear from you guys. We got brain science on Slack. You can comment in terms of which distortion you chose and what you're doing differently.
0: Alright, thank you for tuning into this episode of Brain Science. If you haven't yet, please join us on this journey. We have so much to explore. Subscribe to this podcast at changelaw.com slash brainscience. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on Overcast, and anywhere else you can get podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, we're at brainsciencefm. You can also join our Slack community. It's free to join, talk about all things brain science with me, Marielle, and the rest of the community. And if you have topics or suggestions for the show, you want to hear them, email us, editors at changelaw.com. Huge thanks to our partners, Fastly, Rollbar, and Linode. Also, thanks to Breakmaster Cylinder for making all of our beats. And last but not least, if you want to hear more shows like this, subscribe to our master feed to get all of our podcasts. Head to changelaw.com slash master or go into your podcast app and search for Changelaw Master. You'll find it. It's one feed to rule them all. Get all of our shows plus some extras that only hit the master feed. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you again soon.